Hello, this is Eric Richard, also known as Sergeant Cryer, and you are listening to The Bill Podcast. It's 2018, it's Series 2 of The Bill Podcast, and we're kicking off with Part 2 of the three-part special with the legendary Graham Cole OBE. This time, Graham chats about his latest TV role in Holby City. Let's kick off with some more stamp memories. One of the things that, again, maybe a lot of people don't realise, and fortunately it happened uh, to me that they brought it to fruition, but we also create a past, so we know how to play those characters. And in my head, I thought about stamp. If you think about him, he always had loads of mates, but no real friends. Yeah. It's a lonely character. Tried his damnedest to get girlfriends and wives and have sexual encounters, and that never worked for him either. And I loved that because I was 20 and Cherry was 16 when we met. So I know what it's like to have a wife and then kids and a mortgage and all that sort of nonsense. And Pat Sands, bless her, when she was producing, called me in once and said, we've got this script and I don't know what to do with it. Why? She said, well... It's, it's about um, Billy Murray's character. Oh, Don Beach. Thank you, Don Beach, thank you. It's about him, and he's going to get an award, and you aren't. Uh, but it stamps up at the same time as him, but he doesn't get the award, but your life falls apart on the outside. But at the moment, it's written that you've got a wife and kids. And like, well, for the last sort of 15 years or something, yeah. told the audience that he isn't. Mm. And I think there's a, there's a danger sometimes in producing, and you, you know more about it than I would, where you've read so many different scripts... And you sometimes lose it. And I, we used to sometimes watch the show and think, wow, that, that first script we read mm. is better than this bit. Yeah. And it's strange. You know, we've got that constraint on time, particularly with ITV, with the commercials coming through. But it's fascinating that sometimes the director and the editor, and sometimes the producer, can go into that edit suite and it makes sense to them because they read the original script and all the amendments to that script, plus they've seen all the rushes and all the cuts and then they put it together and it makes sense to them. But in the cold light of you sitting in your settee with your bovril, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And you see that over and over again in, in dramas. There's one or the other, I'm not going to mention it, there's one last night when I was sitting with Cherry. What happened then? She usually clumps me with a pillow because she's, inv- <laughs> she's involved in yeah, the production. Right, right, yeah. Why did they just smack? <laughs> yeah. Because you see that. And I think there's a danger in that. I mean, you spend your life having to find clips and you know, what, what encapsulates the story in here, you know. Mm. And I always used to hate that when we went to the award ceremonies, you know, because like coronation people, they do these big stunts or big things, you know, and we never would. I mean, we did stunts, but we did stunts in the same capacity as we do any other scenes. Yeah. And I always thought the bill was never placed where it should be no. for the technical team. So I just think that work was exemplary that they did. Absolutely. You know, and, and never were they proud. I don't think we ever we won a People's Award, didn't we, or something, right. yeah. once. And I was very excited and ran up and down the Albert Hall aisle, I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right in that, in that sense of, of the public. It's about, mm. it's about the public. It's about it. My view is I've always got a pen in my pockets wherever yeah. I go, you know, and you sign stuff on your way through and things. And my view of that is because, you know, I'm off to do panther, but why should anyone come and see me if I haven't got time 
for them in the hundreds of a second that they're going to... And, you know, a lot of the actors got very upset with the directors, couldn't remember their name, you know. They mm. Never bothered me that they called me Tackles. The guy hasn't got time to combine right. your name with the character's name and all the guest artists. He hasn't got that time. Yeah. So just get on, take it and, and run. As I've said to people, I don't care who calls me Tony, as long as it's not Cherry in a moment of passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did, what, 1,600 episodes? 1,400. 14. Well, I mean, I might bow to your superior. Much. Yeah. I hate ever coming in and quoting over you guys <laughs> you because your, your knowledge of it is far greater than mine. Just before Wrights in 1990, mm. you had an episode called That Old Malarkey where yeah. Stan gets locked in a flat. Marvellous guest performance by Emily Morgan. Oh, stunning. A pair of you have a, have a fantastic time in that. And that's the first time you get top billing oh, on the so. bill. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm imagining from... I mean, we haven't even talked about how you came... To join the bill. How long have you got? Uh, as long as you like, sir. <laughs> Trust me. We're going to be a six-part epic. I'm, I'm here as long as you've got. I mean, from, from your background, in you know, you have a stage career that's thriving in, in, a, in an industry now in rep that no longer exists, which mm. you must feel for actors nowadays, but they don't have that. Young actors. Don't. Yeah. I did a two-hander with Diane Keane last year. 17 minutes at beginning, middle and end, no interval. And it was stunning. Yeah. And that's what theatre's about. The introduction of intervals are very often for councils to make as much money as they possibly can and screw a little bit more out of the audience. Mm. But sort of Shakespeare, another one, time, it would be so you could come in, see the whole piece and go. And we used to say to the, uh, the theatre administrators, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll meet them afterwards, have a cup of tea, then come and talk to us, and cake. And it was a lovely piece. And it meant that you lived that life with these two. It was on a park bench, very simple set. And she sat there and down and out, comes with his bottle and starts chatting to her and that sort of stuff. You find out in the end that they were married and that sort of thing. But it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece. But it only works if the audience go through that emotion with you. Yeah. And your question uh, is still appertaining to now, is that as the actors you're always aware of where you're, where you're going, where your pinnacle is. So I was very aware in those scenes that you'd be watching where your emotions would be. The problem we have is if a commercial break yeah. comes between it's, it makes it very very uh, difficult to bring the audience back and into it but you're hoping that they know you well enough to do that and of, of course you know you want to play with your audience's emotions I do it in Panto I do it with the plays he was a northern character that I played and, and people after said you know you, you don't sound anything like Tony Stamp or you come to that you know that's the <laughs> yes you know that's what we love that's, that's what we that's what we want to be and die and you say I have all of this Dialogue. I'm talking about family life, miles and miles and miles. And then I say, and what if I died? Who would notice? And you come in with the smell. <laughs> and that whole place yeah, would erupt. And, yeah. and then I go on and on and on. And then you come in with another. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. And the reason I say that is Stamp was written in that way. Yeah. If anyone had the best lines, and I don't care whether Chris Ellison or anybody else wants to question it, I think Stamp and Hollis got the best lines yeah, yeah. in the bill. Wonderful lines. Uh, I remember one where we had care in the community and we kept being called to this house where we've got um, Down syndrome people and Stamp's trying to cope with the community and, you know, care in the community. There isn't any care in the community. And there's this guy going, and he pins up against the wall and says, okay, in the first place, you're obstructing a police officer in the course of his duty. In the second place, why don't you pick on someone your own size? If that's biologically possible. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. It is just beautiful. It's gold dust. It, the, the manager of this marvellous pub that we're in today, when, when I was telling him that you were coming in, he said, yeah, 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 but he did a lot before the bill. 
I mean, he was in a Kenny Everett show. And you talk about a master of, of one-liners and gags. And yeah. you were in probably the most famous of his sketches ever, The Bus Sketch. The Bus Sketch, yeah. yeah. Still, I think, one of the most hit yeah. on YouTube. Absolutely. Uh, he was an extraordinary character. I only ever wanted to be an actor, as we said, when I was... And so at school, I was in bands and groups. I could only play the drums. Bands, groups, singing, acting, whatever I could do to perform. My dad wanted me to do something similar, so I trained in orthopaedics. Uh, and from then I then started doing hospital shows, a bit like university type reviews. Because the nurses would tell you wherever, and I worked six or seven hospitals, London hospitals as well. And if I was coming up and checking plasters, you know, that had been in road accidents and stuff like that, or spinal cases and things, I know they wouldn't take any notes of me because I'm just a technician. So I would put the voice of the surgeon on. So it would be Mr. Warren, very famous, and he had that voice. So I'm like, ah, oh, sister, I'm coming up to see Mrs. Brown. Oh, okay, yes. So there'd be this big flurry, and then I turn up. And Where's Mr. Who? Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, when they did This Is Your Life, there was all those stories coming back yes. by n- many, many nurses where I've wound them up and done all sorts of weird ones. But Oliver, I never wanted to act. Yeah. So when I was doing all of that stuff, I was still building up, putting characters away and remembering. And particularly, I was part of the cardiac team. So I would take over external cardiac massage. And we save lots, but you lose a few. And you never forget that. You no. never forget those people and the families just outside and all that sort yeah. of thing. And it's, that's what you draw on then as an actor. You, you pull in that, that sort of... People always say to me, you know, I don't understand why in dramas it's always the woman that's being battered that will pick up the drama award and the bloke that's battering her will pick up the best. Mm. And that was told to me by a woman that runs women's shelters and it never occurred to me before that time, but they're absolutely right. They are the people that, that pick that up. And I will always say it's easy to cry. You know, you can mm. plan yourself to cry. In our case, you just got to think of the fee. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's techniques that we use to yeah. do that. The hardest thing in the world is to make people laugh. Mm. And particularly in their sitting rooms. Yeah. Because they've got everything else going on around about them. And Kenny Everett was a master of that. He never, ever forgot. Do you know what it is? It was a master of silence. Yeah. Give them time. I did loads and loads of little Simon plays in my youth. And that was a great, great writer. And he would put little X's after a bit of action, which is just wait, 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 all beats, wait. And so the audience get ahead of you, and then you do something completely different. And I've never forgotten that kind of training. And the bus sketch, you know, the Doctor Who's, all of that stuff used to come, because I was always hanging around the BBC, as I say, I was 22, I think, when I went there first. And so I was in the back of Shakespeare's doing broadsword fighting and all that sort of stuff. So how I got into the bill anyway. Um, doing all that sort of stuff and virtually because I came from theatre I was kind of like I could never understand why there's always arguments about stuff you know what's the line okay, what's the emotion okay, you just do it so the Kenny Everett team I've done all sorts of things to him Kelly Monteith as well all sorts of yeah. stuff and, uh, they're only just got Kent had this idea okay, we don't know many actors that can do this and, why what have I got Absaud and, and I have Absaud and all sorts of things <laughs> what have I got to do this yeah. that's not that well we'll tell you and we went out to this uh, I went out the night before and they're all building the set in the RAF station they said and this is what we want you to do okay yeah. right. why not stunt man I don't think a stunt man not disrespecting at all yeah. will be able to do what we want you to do mm. okay so you know wardrobe dress you up and you go and they've got this big set and, and there are the production managers never, it never ended on the bill or anywhere else you go you know, we really only want to do this once so. oh no pressure <laughs> blimey <laughs> okay. They had about six cameras, okay, something like that. So there's the little set, for those who have maybe never seen it, but look it up. 
there's this little set. Lulu yeah. is lying in the bed. Kenny Everett bursts through in pinstripe suit and goes, I know you've got a lover. You've got a lover here somewhere. He starts searching the room. Can't find him. He opens up this wardrobe and I'm in the wardrobe. And he says, what are you doing in there? I'm waiting for a bus. I'm waiting for a bus of lightning. And then a, a route master smashes through the wall. Yeah. Literally about nine inches from my yeah. left elbow. Yeah. And that's where they thought the stuntman and everybody else would have to go. Because you're perfectly still. You could hear him revving. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, revving up so just behind you. But it was all about the timing. Yeah. And Ken and, and those comics are really, really great. But they don't have the actors. We are so drilled. And we were on the bill, we were carry on and carry on and carry on until someone said, stop. I've got hundreds of stories in my head yeah. that came in. One when dear Jeff Stewart got kicked in the doodars in the fight sequence and I could see him hobbling around in the background trying to recover his demeanour yeah. and, and no one was shouted cut so I carried on and then Jeff had noticed we hadn't stopped so he hobbled back in and carried on it was his st- and I laughed for 20 minutes afterwards and no one could get me to make any sense at all it was just the funniest but you do you just carry on you know the bill you talk about but we had, used to have two crews working one downstairs one in CID and one downstairs in front of it very often you're all waiting for each other. And some, and this absolutely happened. So much action upstairs, and we started. No way. I mean, it, is, oh. it was crazy in that building. Yeah. But that's the whole point. What we do, I mean, you do it, and you hope the reward is you've moved. Yeah. People. And the same thing, something like that. Working with Kenny Everett, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics, and they're all utterly complex characters. And my first job would be with. Uh, dancers and we'd open and close shows for Delph on the Grave and the girls would say to me, why are you in the dressing room? Because I'm watching Victor Borg, Sammy Davis Jr. is on stone. Why would I be? Yeah, of course. Cool. Wow. I, I want to go yeah. down and, and watch those guys. And, and that's fantastic, having that kind of career in and around those. And, uh, Andy used to say now and again, come on you variety actor. <laughs> because they'd always know if something went wrong, I would, I would say I would say something or do something. You know? Yeah. And I'm terrible for making inane comments at the end of scenes. And Chris Edison got so wound up one day about it. Because, bless him, he, um, he could say a line or take a, a prop. Yeah. He couldn't do both. That's why his hands were always in a crombie. <laughs> and he's in a play at the moment. I'm really trying to go and see him. So I can barrack him. But um, he used to really have a go at me. So at yeah. the end of the takes, I would say something stupid. you know. And, uh, and, but there's tension in it. It gets rid of it. Yeah. release and all that sort of nonsense going. Particularly if there's, if you've got a guest artist and you can see they're in a little bit of trouble, mm. I would sometimes blow, blow the stuff. Yeah. Because it'd take them a long time so to recover. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And sort yeah. of think, I'll do it again, you know. But, yeah. But for us, we can you know, we'll take, take that on the chin, you know, and get yelled at by the producer or so what, when you were, you were breaking into television, I mean, your, your mum and dad must have been enormously proud. Yeah, my son, Matthew, who's going to be 33, coming up 33, still loves me doing the theatre stuff because he's seen me doing so many diverse and wonderful characters and he thinks you would be wasted on TV as well because they don't let you mm. play the characters that, that you, you get to do it on stage. So it's a little bit different. Mum and Dad really only ever saw me stage-wise. Right. And I think, to be honest, and I don't miss you to decry at all, I don't think that in those days, in the 70s and 80s, that we were particularly looking for television. Because mm. um, there were only you know, a few channels, yeah. and and if you weren't in the big soaps, uh, the chance of getting on a Ruth Rendell or one of those is very slim because the casting directors would put in the name boys, you know. So that was quite uh, tough. 
And to be honest, I really wasn't looking for it. And when the bill came, and, and I'd done all these little background stuff, you know, being naughty or whatever they wanted me to do in these scenes. When Julian Oldfield rang up and said, oh look, uh, you know, Tony Stanton is yours. You never mentioned that to me. And TV don't, Oliver. I mean, I don't know if you're in your experience of them. They think they're the only world out there. And, yeah. and I said, well, I just said yes to playing the lieutenant in Guys and Dolls on a national tour coming out of Leicester. And I just said this, forgive me, because I was like, oh, shit, quietly on the other end of the phone. But they got me out of it. So, oh, wow. And, and the rest, as they say. Is it true you, you went to like a press launch and saw PC Tony Stamp your mm-hmm. face and you yeah, didn't know him? No. Wow. Wow. Until, that until must that. have been an experience. But he was, I mean, that he'd been, to use your yeah. propelled. Yeah, exactly. Into, that, into that place. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, to be honest, one of the things I loved about the bill was it meant I could be home and be a dad and, yeah. and a husband for once, uh, for a little spell. And when we were doing the, 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 the 10 episodes, that was great because it was a funny time in year for us. And uh, the big musicals and stuff, you know, I've been in that, the West End musicals and things. It, it's strange for an actor, particularly when you have kids, it really gets really, really difficult mm. then. And I always said to Cherry, stupidly, that if I couldn't earn my living as an actor, then I'll go to something else. So yeah. I, don't, I don't drive vans, I don't... I've never been able to sign on. Uh, we used to go to Streatham, and all, all the actors would meet at Streatham uh, Employment Agency or whatever it's called, adult office, and we'd all be there because we'd have to cover your national insurance. Right. We couldn't get any money because in, in their eyes, and still, actors are intentionally unemployed. No. Is what they called us. Because on the forms, they wanted you to ask any... Ask, I don't know if it's true now because I've, I've never you signed... Was, I've, no, seriously, I've never ever signed on. No, there was no point after that. Yeah. There's a list there, and I go, okay, van driver, no. <laughs> Clark, no. Clark, no, no. But what, I'm an actor. Yeah. Well, you're not an actor, well, I know that. Even now, we do not have a category. There is no category for actors or anybody in the, like dancers, singers, anybody yeah. like that. What do you do? And you go, can I, can I just say to you that on my insurance for my car, I have to say actor, because if I don't, I break the law. Yeah. Because that's what I, I do. And the insurance company think that we're all drunkens and take drugs and I'm going to have famous people in the car and all that nonsense. So my insurance is always massive and all that nonsense. And yet uh, to sign on, there's absolutely no point. So you never mm. bothered. And I've been very, very lucky. Yeah. Uh, that even now, you know, the job's just done a whole new city. Another nutty character. Oh, cool. Oh, here uh, we go. Uh, Exclusive. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, uh, oh, it was beautiful. Oh, how exciting. Um, but um, I didn't know the director. And he said, I really want you for this part. And uh, I'm having a bit of trouble with producers and things. Because it's with Alex. Oh, of course. Uh, your main scenes with Alex Walkershaw. And there are people only go to the building. Audiences, when they first see it, say, oh, it's nice to see them together or something. But they're not. They're going to then, if your yeah. script's good enough, follow the I'll story. then really listen to what, what we're doing. Yeah. And when I got the script, I just loved the character. He's sort of an antiques dealer. Bit like the guy, I don't know his name, but mahogany, you know, and all that. So, but this is great. So it shows how supportive wives are. I came home to Cherry after I've been to, to uh, fit out the uh, the costume and talk to to makeup. So the girls are going to cough her the hair back. Oh, you're going to look really ugly. Oh, <laughs> thanks. That spurs me on. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, it's characters. I don't worry about. <laughs> but that he is immaculately dressed, oh, beautifully nice. dressed, and very erudite character. He knows what he's talking about in the antique world. So. And I can't give too much away, uh, sort of plot-wise, because it's going to happen as it runs up to this. 
but um, Alex inherits some stuff. And uh, my character's in there. My opening line to a Rosie uh, lead is, um, I, I understand this procedure called sexual dysfunction in a man, is his opening uh, wow. title, whilst he's taking his gear off. <laughs> and the reason he's doing that is he's got every phobia known to man, including a phobia of hospitals. Oh, wow. And he goes into the hospital, as you learn, he goes into as a reader to try and get over his fear of, of hospital. Oh. He's a fascinating character, and uh, when they come and talk to him, it, part of the stuff that Alex got in boxes is, is LPs and stuff, and so he's into his world. Yeah. Oh, you've got everybody in here. You've got the who, you've got the, this is worth 20, this is worth... And it's a lovely character. But interestingly, only appertained to what you started earlier, Oliver, was that when I got the original script, it was amazing. Yeah. And I said yes to it. Uh, then over the next eight days, nine days, four amendments came through. And I actually went up to the producer, little exclusive for you all, and said to her very quietly, and we've recorded a couple of days, if you'd sent me this script that we are now doing, I would have said no right. to this character. Because all of the reasons why I said yes have been cut. Wow. And I think that's something that guest artists will find. They say, on the bill, if you're our guest artist, I would say to you, what if you want to do whatever, you do it. Yeah. Because that'll change my character, that'll make me react differently. So whatever you, however you want to play and whatever you want to do, just do it. Mm. But I think there's a danger now that when you're in long-running series, you actually forget it's... You know, exec producers would come up to me and go, Paul Marcus, who I was with him just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You never, ever came in my office and my character wouldn't say or do this. It's not my job. Mm. That is not my job. The only time was about being married or not. Yes. But that's not my... My job is how do you play that and how do you keep the character true for your audience? Yeah. And that's the fun. It's funny because Ben Payton recording his very yeah, first uh, appearance was... First impressions, part one, and at the end of that episode, you've all played a little a little gag on him. Well, he comes out and he has a massive go at Tony, and Tony punches him in the face. And Ben said, "Well, oh, I was so out of character; it's really weird." Tony Sant wouldn't punch him in the face, but you play it so well, and then you're having to go through the whole. Look, you're not. <clears throat> are you going to say anything to anyone about this? You know, because it was it was just a wind up. You know, it's gone a bit wrong. You know, I mean, you mentioned as well about just doing a guest part. Who are the guests, actors coming into the bill that you, you fondly remember working with? Anyone that stick? Because, I mean, you had seen like Rick Mayle coming Hundreds. in. and Yeah. And, and all of them a total, absolute delight. Because it doesn't matter how big you are. Dorothy Tutin. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Was in a, a lovely piece. Her husband was a doctor who was molesting her and things. Uh, and uh, I got called, uh, knocked on the door in the dressing room and said, Dorothy's in a bit of a state went to two doors down and saw her and she said, I just, and this is the woman that's been in movies and yeah. done on stage. She said, you know, I, this schedule is just, I can't keep these emotions. And, and I just shared with her the fact that I muck about, I just say whatever I want to do. I go out in the garden, scream. I mean, you know, people think you're barking, but you have to get rid of that yeah. to clear it out. Because of it, I'm, I'm sure, you know, your audience is that very rarely do we shoot the thing in story order. Uh, even Stamp, you know, if I say to you, the first scene that I did with running all over was the courtroom virtually. Oh really? Before we did all so you've got to no propel way. yourself through all those emotions. Oh. There was a scene with lovely Colin Tarrant where I have to throw my warrant card on the desk and, yeah. all, and he's really emotional about having to do it and go for an inquiry and then comes out of his office and goes into the changing room where there's another big scene with Hugh Egan and all the others. Between doing that office scene and going in, that's literally through two doors. Yeah. Seven days. No way. 
Wow. And you've got to try and remember where your audience's yeah. head are, you know, yeah. what emotion you created in that, because in the audience's head, it's literally a door. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty difficult sometimes mm. uh, on those sets to hold on to your... The, the one about the paedophile. Yeah. Uh, was an extraordinary storyline. And I was shooting other episodes, but it took 12 weeks, uh, because beautifully on the bill, uh, they wrote to say the audience saw all the instances with Lee that he would be, that Stan would be accused of later on, but you saw all of those. So apparently people were telling me I was standing up and shouting at the television, it wasn't like that! Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's great, and that's what the bill is, is about, and that's what your emotions are, and you take your audience on that journey yeah. with you. But it took us 12 weeks to shoot that, and there were just some times, I can remember we used to have a little pub, my uh, trip home was across Mitchell Common, and there's a big pub on the left-hand side, and I used to pull in there something, and I just had to go for a walk and just cry. Right, just yeah, get rid of all the so much crap. Well, because you didn't have a chance to get rid of it during the day, because I was swapping episodes and going back yeah. and forth to different storylines and playing, playing with your head. You know, it's one of the things why I do a lot with charity, mm. um, particularly post-traumatic stress. As I was saying, you know, actors, we're very good at that. Yeah. You know, we're putting ourselves under those sort of strange, ridiculous pressures, and for no point, very often, mm. Uh, mm. because it will be. You know, I don't know how much of a Holby City will be used. You know, you no. hope you hope that it will all be there, but. Yeah. I've not heard from them. Yeah, you're in, you're in the hands of the yeah. edit producer. Absolutely. Yeah. Or whether they might take it out completely. I mean, you just do not know. Mm. One of the things I always do as an actor, um, for your directorial head on, yeah. is that I will throw everything at you in, the, in those opening rehearsals. And then as you come, can you cut that down? Can you cut that down? Can you cut that down? Yeah. yeah. Because I find that so much easier than if you came to me, can you give me a little bit more? Sure. Well, how much more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much more do you want? It's so, I, in my head, because Alex came up to me as well and said, blimey, you're chucking it all in there. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it was just the easiest thing. And in the, re the rehearsals for the crew, I took my gear off, as I would do in the take. You know, they go, you don't have to do that. But they know exactly. The cameraman now knows, as he's panning around, yeah. he knows what's, what's going to happen, which bits are coming off. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's important to that character, you know. She, she sits there and you're, what, what do you, what do you, what, 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 what do you do? I'm putting my gown on. You know, I'm, I'm ready for it. I want to do it now. You know, if I have to wait too long, yeah, I, I can't do it. And he goes into his paranoias that, he, that he's got. You know, and um, it's a fascinating character. That's why you want to do it. Yeah, like school teachers, fantastic. Yeah, character. spots Great on. character to play. And they gave you some lighter moments as well. We've, we've talked about the, the the heavy stuff with Tony, but like I remember as well another one because I taped this. I can't remember the circumstances, but I taped an episode it's called Way Out West because we couldn't watch it live. And you and Andrew Paul play a gag with water pistols on oh, Stephen yeah, Beckett. Oh, yeah, Mr. Beckett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was like, yeah. I remember watching that, like we taped it, and I must have, remember the tape was battered by me. I watched that over and over yeah. again. It was so much fun, that, that episode. You know? When we were waiting to go, yeah, and uh, we'd always be uh, off to A position, B position. Andy and I were very bad because as we were driving along, going around, back, we were squirting members of the public. With the oh, yeah. As they were turning around, all they could see is a police car. Yeah. So, and the crew, the crew were getting to a point where they were really going to do us some damage. Yeah. Because they were high powered. Yeah. Stevie Beckett. We yeah. really got him. Um, but it's that. What is great about the bill, you know, is that scene after they do that, it looks so real when we're driving off and we're laughing yeah, and we're doing yeah. all that stuff. And being given that allowance mm. to just do it and be trusted to do it. Because the thing about it, you know, the director can give you, it's, it's yours. Yeah. And I always used to say to people, it's so much like theatre. 
because even if a director will come and vehemently fight something, if they know what they're doing, they will know once we're out and we're running, if we really think it's, it's going <laughs> to go. Yeah. But on that TV stuff, you've got to trust us. Mm. Let us go out, let us do it. Wonderful. Um, all my after-dinner stuff is about uh, true stories. Yeah. And that's why they go down so well. It's, it's just, it's, it's mad. I just want to go back, because when you said about Stamp, it's an interesting thing, because the coppers will always say to me, how did he get away with that? Because everyone says Stamp was such a nice boy. He hit so many people. Yeah, yeah. And his idea of young people is to splat them against the wall and yeah. say, I know it was you, you do it again, and I'm going to come and find you. Yeah. Because the amount of guys that I would go out with, would go, we are not doing the paperwork for this, because... We know as soon as he goes in there, he's going to go. He wasn't breastfed as a baby or something yeah, like that. And someone's yeah. going to go, oh, poor son. you know, which you hear over and over and over again. And so again, I kind of played him a little bit like PC Green, you know, when I was growing up. Uh, I never did anything massively wrong, scrumping or all that sort of stuff. But it always seemed when you turned the corner, there he was. Yeah, yeah. And, and the worst thing he says, I'm going to see your dad. You know? And you just lock that lock that stuff away but Stamp did it you know, one of the things that I liked about playing him was if you've got a guy with a gun guy with a pickaxe handle knives he's your man mm. give him a crying woman and he doesn't know what to do yeah. whereas I am in me geometrically the, the opposite because I learnt very early on and one or two of the actors on the show had seen it certainly my family had if I go I can't come back right. and when I was out with the police so often, one of the guys go, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw this guy off the balcony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so if you had that within you, I used to play a lot of rugby. Right. In fact, the Bills stopped me playing rugby. And uh, I was prop. But the one thing I could do is a 50-yard run, and most props can't. Right. So I would then link up with the winger, and, and we'd be away, and half the team still trying to get up off the floor. So that sort of side, the physical side of him, I like playing. I used to pump him in the yeah. mornings. I'd be in quite early with the weights and stuff, okay, pumping yeah. him up. Yeah. He was a big old, yeah. he was a big old thing. You've maintained fit, because you don't Still look do. any different. You oh, really, really don't, yeah, you really yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. It's magic, really. With the hair. No, you look fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I still, I, I don't do the weights quite, quite mm. so much. But, uh, but I've got techniques that I do, I, and every night I do 20 minutes of sort of yoga that suits me. Yes, right. Uh, where I, get, I offload all the crap that's gone on during the day and things. And uh, what I love is reflect. I'll, I'll be lying there tonight thinking of you. Oh. But you reflect your day, you know, and you think of the bits you liked and the bits. Of, and also, you know, when people say about people are horrible to them, hate them, I've been with child liners, you know, for yeah. over 30 years, and you just go on the phones, I don't anymore. But there's a way you need to offload that, that stuff. And one of the things I would say that I joined as a patron to the post-traumatic stress disorder 999 charity, which is just for the blue lighters, particularly for the police, is that we used to show that uh, on the bill that the coppers would go down the pub, not to get drunk, but mm. to afloat, yeah. to get rid of it, because they don't want to go home with it. They can't go home with it. And unfortunately, politicians, and I hate the expression of the do-gooders, but that's, that sums them up beautifully, because the do-gooders tend not to do any good at all. Mm. Mm. They think they are, but actually all they do is they just get in the way. And those guys need time. And uh, the idea of uh, Post Traumatic Stress 999 is that we'll have houses all over the country, so you can just drop in for a cup of coffee and you'll see other paramedics there, other coppers there, other firemen there. We've done the NEC for the second time this year for two days. And uh, we never had lunch. Um, people bring us tea. We just don't get off the stall. 
yeah. and we were having big butch coppers come and crying on our shoulders and firemen, and particularly uh, our paramedics, they're in serious trouble. The whole of that service is in massive trouble. Right. But again, Stamp's face on that stand just seems to work. Yeah. And the guys have come and talked to us, and, and it's um, very humbling. Mm. But uh, you kind of think, thank you guys, it's sort of putting it back. Yeah. Uh, you know, what they gave me. Uh, and I talk to politicians all the time on behalf of Childline and SPCC, and um, I was at a gig uh, two nights ago talking about children that come out of care for the John Cass Foundation, which I'm part mm. of as well. And um, you try and say to politicians, go out with the cops on the night shift. If you actually want, if you think you know what the public is like because of your surgeries and your 11 minutes mm. that are allotted, just go out with the guys. And I swear to you, go to a block of flats, three o'clock in the morning, and the door is opened by this little kid in a nappy that doesn't bat an eye that there's cops at the door again. Mm. There's a whole world out there that is so utterly different from anything we've seen on winner. Most of it's about money yeah, uh, and the lack of, uh, but resources, you know. And I met a politician only a little while ago, uh, you know, he said, but they knew what they were signing up for. No, they didn't. No. They didn't sign up to be social workers. They mm. didn't. They're not trained for it. They mm. haven't got time for it. You know, most crews are handing on 20 calls that they never got to in right. their 12 hours for the next team to come in before they even start theirs. Mm. It's pretty bad up there mm. and uh, you know if um, I think the bill if it did anything it showed that it showed that it's not that easy I, I thought our job was always put a heart in a uniform mm. you know take your yeah. prejudices with you and all that sort of stuff and, and I like I was always trying to convince when I was on stage the theatre administrators to book me to play the snivelling wreck but they wouldn't they'd, be, they'd always cast the four for acting like, oh, your audience when they look at the four he's been doing that all his life you look at a six-footer fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Someone you think isn't, you know, that's, that's interesting. That's powerful, yeah. That's, and, and also, as well with the guys, I was always fighting, and they hate it on television, is silence. Mm. You know, when, we, when, the, when the cops are interviewing you, it's really scary, because they ask you a question, and both of them just look at you. Yeah. And they don't matter another word. No. It is so... Well, you channeled that opposite... A fellow legend, Tony Scannell, you did The Haunting mm. of Harry Payne. You're, you're, you rose the ranks to inspector in yeah. the Norfolk. Is that right. Norfolk, that one, mate? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at Thatford Forest for a lot oh, of that. Right. I can tell you, it was a scary place. Yeah. Um, a lot of RAF sort of buildings and things there. Yeah, that's... That glowed in the evening. Oh. <laughs> it was fascinating. Oh, yeah, there's all um, Stanford battleground around there. That's where they yeah. shot my dad's army. Oh, fighters. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very scary. And I said, like, the lighting directors were brilliant. Mm. They said we only need like four lamps. Four lamps at the back of trees, and it looked scary. Sadly, again, in this country, and I don't think we'll ever be able to change it, they've got great ideas, but just couldn't get the finances mm. to make it really, like the, the final part of the movie, Yes, to make it really, really scary. But my daughter, Laura, and her mates have watched it a few times, and it's quite a yeah, scary movie. Well, it opened at Cannes, didn't it? You know, it's, it's absolutely. It's done, it's done its thing. Yeah, it took me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, it took me to another genre, playing yeah. another copper. Yeah, but I don't mind that. I oh. played a copper against Mark Wingett uh, on stage. Oh wow! At Windsor Theatre last year, so that was oh. that was pretty cool. He reminded me of that. He said, "Forgot your lines, didn't you?" Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and you had a soap opera on stage. As soap well. opera. We're trying to reignite soap opera. Oh, I saw good. the wonderful Kev Orkin the other day with Brother Walter Rats. And it's such a uh, it was such a clever piece, 
you saw a soap being acted and then you saw the actors who played these characters. So I was a copper, but he was the most hateful, self-absorbed, <laughs> masochistic character you can imagine. Uh, Leslie Grantham yes. played the hard nut who was gay <laughs> right. in his real life. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Walkin played his, his old supposed gay partner. It was very clear. Michelle Gale yeah. playing a black activist. I mean, it was great. <laughs> Louis Emmerich. Um, yeah. What a cast. A wonderful uh, Lee Otway. Uh, but it was so clever. And we actually shot the soap, a bit like Acorn Antiques. Nice. And we shot that and the audience could see it on screen. Oh, so cool. the, the stage would go dark and you'd see these TV screens and monitors and you'd see that and then it'd come back to us being up. It was so clever. Yeah. But theatres won't take plays and stuff anymore. You know, unless you've got some high-flying name in it. Mm. But our argument will be very often they're a high-flying name, but they can't actually... Yeah, deliver the goods. <laughs> and that was really, really difficult. That was a wonderful piece. It was just one of those bits where you can't wait. And we had um, spinning uh, sets. So you'd have four different sides to it. And uh, I was talking to the guys <laughs> a couple of days ago. And they just, at that time, you came running on. You were so enthusiastic. And the whole thing spanned <laughs> from one scene to another. <laughs> <laughs> slowly moved it back and oops but that's live theatre again you know yeah paradictoids I think that, that's oh, from right. the old Greek oh, theatre um, I think that's <laughs> correct someone, someone ASM will now correct me on what they're actually <laughs> but they're, they're great things I did it in Pat when I played Scrooge um, they had the same things I never got off as you know he doesn't yeah. he gets off to put his nightshirt on and gets off to put his clothes back on basically yeah. uh, other than that he's on stage for two and a half hours if there's a favourite that, that role yeah. I will never forget in the graveyard scene looking at 900 school kids' faces yeah. and just thinking, this is why I joined. Yeah. This is why I did this. It was yeah. extraordinary. That's Absolutely. extraordinary. And the great thing about that, I love psychology, as you know, and the great thing about that was you could see the kids. They haven't got mum and dad or big brother. They've got a face that acts. It's their mates yeah. inside of them. And it's extraordinary. you're all enjoying this time with the great man as much as I am you can see Graham's latest role on TV in Holby City on BBC One and BBC iPlayer from January the 16th it was great to see him reunited with Alex Walkinshaw who of course played Smithy in the bill nice that casting directors are giving us Sunhill fans a little treat now and then Later this month, part three of Graham's The Bill podcast will be released, containing plenty more gold dust, which incidentally, as Doctor Who fans will know, gold dust is lethal if you're playing one of these monsters. Next time on The Bill Podcast. So when we played the Cybermen first off, we had to be so precise with our guns because someone had to draw. Draw around them, yeah, of course. <laughs> the yeah, the fire, you know, shock, or whatever, yeah. you know, and yeah. all that stuff. So you had to be very precise and they needed to employ actors. And one or two guys, you're in moon boots, full body, gloves on, last thing that went on, and those of us that were speaking had mics and little earpieces, uh, others didn't. And then the helmet went on and it was held with four posi screws at the back. 
So you knew once you were in it, you've screwed, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and some of the guys did, after a while, panic well, inside yeah. there. We got a little bit of mesh uh, where the mouth is, which you could flip up and like, shove a straw through so you could get some water. And things. Right. But then you didn't want to take on too much water because you couldn't have a pee in. Anyway.